Hello, and welcome to Grow With Soul. I'm Kate Ferris, a coach, writer, hiker, and recovering high achiever, and this is a work in life podcast. Join me for discussions and musings about how our work can be a small and magical part of a bigger, more meaningful life. So come on in, get comfy, and let's begin. Hello, and welcome back to Grow With Soul. Today is a special episode with a conversation I'm so excited to bring to you. As you know, as a rule, I don't really do interviews on Grow With Soul, but I do make exceptions for people whose work I find super interesting, and Jamie Varon is one of those people. After decades of never feeling good enough and always wanting to achieve more, Jamie began the process of unlearning so she could approach work and life from a place of peace, joy and radical contentment. Today, we talk about her writing process, defining her own success metrics and loose goal setting, separating personal worth from work and just a radically content approach to working. So let's dive in. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No worries. It's so nice to have you here and that, you know, it's it's evening here and morning there, but we're sort of under the same sun, which is nice. Yes, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who hasn't come across you before or, you know, you're kind of meeting an alien from another planet for the first time how are you sort of explaining who you are and what you do and kind of your story so far to where you're at now yeah so I tell people um I mean by process of elimination I'm an author and a designer I have been designing and doing branding and web design work since I was like very young but professionally since I was like in 2009 I live in Calabasas, which is in LA, and I have a husband, and we love to go to the beach. And I mean, I just have a very, a varied career. I've done everything. I did like an iOS app, and then I did a course, and then before that, I had a branding course, and then this whole time, I've always wanted to write a book, and then finally, I wrote a book, and my book just came out, and I have a lot of feelings about my book coming out because it's just such a relief of like this has been hanging over me for a very long time that like, you got to write a book. Are you going to write a book? Why aren't you writing a book yet? What's, go- what's going on with the book? And you know, even not just me, but like other people that know me are just like, are you doing a book yet? What's going on with your book? And I'm like, now I can finally say, yes, I have a book. It's out. <laughs> it's done. I did it. Um, so that's really like very much where I've been and where I'm at right now is really like soaking in and processing the fact that like my book just came out, my first book. Hmm. I love that you're saying about the process of elimination thing because it does get to this thing of you've just got this long list of yeah. stuff that you do and it's like well where do I how do I join these really weird disparate parts all together my my accountant that's what happened this year she was like what do you do and I was like, <laughs> like, a lot of things <laughs> I'm like I think we need some different structure for this because it's not making sense anymore because it's so many different things because 
I mean, I kind of consider myself a multi-passionate. I mean, I really, instead of following a job title, I follow my curiosity and whatever like comes into my head to create. I mean, like back in 2019, I was getting rejected by publishers over and over and over. So I took that outline that I was using and I made it into a digital course. And I was like, okay, same, like different thing, but same result in that I got to do the thing that was on my heart. And so I don't really like consider myself as anything other than a creative like Mm -hmm. that's really in my head because I just like that flexibility I like that freedom I've always liked that I mean there's been times where I've been a little bit more rigid about it and those have been my least happy times when I'm like find the one thing that you're supposed to do and then I'm like but I don't want to just do one thing you know I mean even with books like I love writing books but I don't want to just write books I like to do other things and explore my curiosity and, and experiment so it's been kind of tricky in the time where growing up it was very you got to find the one thing you got to live and die by that thing and feel all this pressure to become that thing. And if you don't become that thing, by the time you're 30, you're a failure. And that was like my inner monologue all the time. And now I'm very like, don't put me in a box. I don't want to be just one thing. I just want to find what feels fun. And then when it's done, I want to be able to just like quit and leave it and go, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting you say about the, the one thing from growing up but then also that becomes kind of reinforced culturally of like niche down and (laughs) find your niche and all this sort of thing and that there is this feeling of once I know the one thing I'm supposed to do once I've got my signature course I've got my signature project then like everything will be fine forever for the rest of my life and that actually the seeking of that box and then the existing within that box isn't the happiest place to be No, especially, I mean, it it comes, you're so right, because it's not even just there's the niching down, there's the, you know, you got to focus on one thing, because that's how you become successful, right? And then it's also there's this metaphysical, spiritual sense of like, find your purpose, like your one purpose. And I'm like, I have multiple purposes, you know, like, I'm not here to have one purpose. And like, part of my purpose is literally to be purposeless and just walk around in nature and do nothing. You know, like that's a, that's a significant part of my purpose. And then there's another part that's like, I have these gifts, these talents, these certain things that light me up. So I'm going to go towards those. But I, yeah, this like really intense pressure, because it all comes down to that pressure of like, figure it out, do that forever. And then you will get the promised land of success and achievement, which then is supposed to make you happy. And it's like, it doesn't, you know, like it doesn't. Cause then, I mean, you get bored. (laughs) You're like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we want to be challenged. We also change as people. And so what might have felt like your passion, I know that there were plenty of things. I mean, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a pop star, not really what I wanted when I grew up, you know, like I wanted to be Britney Spears with the microphone on, you know, or Janet Jackson. And so it's like, I I don't want to do that anymore, but you know, our passions change. But if we hold ourselves, I, I look at it as like, if we're saying we're like, do this one thing, figure it out. We're kind of like holding ourselves hostage that there's only one thing that will make us happy, which is the same rhetoric with like relationships too. like find the one and then find the one thing. And then 
you know, line it all up and you're going to be happy. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want my happiness to be that elusive and that like narrow, I guess. Mm, yeah. Like, and I always think that about the kind of the one with relationships of just like, what, what's the chance of finding the one? Like it's the same with the projects. Like what's the chance that there's only one thing that for 80 years is gonna make me happy consistently? Like actually it's when you start to logic it out, it's illogical. No, yeah, but we don't like to, because we like it to feel so like fate and destiny and all of this, we don't logic it out. And I'm all about fate and destiny, all about the spiritual, but it's, I also have a very logical, practical brain as well that goes, wait a second, there's something here that's not, that's not adding up. Um, Also, because it's just like, I don't want to just do the same thing every single day forever and just get like that to me doesn't sound very interesting. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of us, but we end up feeling this sense of never give up. Don't, you know, keep going, keep pr-. like, even with the book, I was very like, if this is meant to happen, let it happen. But if it's not, I'll just find something else to do. Like, I didn't want all of this intense pressure around it. I've never wanted that for any of the things that I do. You know, like even now I'm doing, I have my digital course. I have, I still have clients that I do design work for. I have books. I have other things in the works. It's just like, it's very peaceful to me. And, and it feels safer to have like multiple things going on as opposed to this, like all my eggs in one basket, figure it all out, get it all, get it all lined up. And then just like, stay there, don't move, don't do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting that you brought up the book. Cause that was what I was coming on to ask you is that you sort of started by saying like, I've always wanted to write a book. And then it was like, when's the book coming? When's the book coming? And then it's kind of like, I'm really interested in how your process of like coming up with the idea for the book and, and there being a book inside that was unformed and then getting it to the point of it like being on the shelf behind you and how that process differed from what we've just described as like chasing the one thing and not giving up till you get it. Yeah, I mean, the book has been, this is something I've been reflecting on a lot with my book having just come out, it very much feels, um, I don't feel that sense of, Oh, that's it. Oh, that's it. You know, that not none of that. It's more like such a relief that this thing that has really been hanging over me is finally done in a way that I wanted it to. It was like my way that I did it. Um, because what happened was, I mean, there's just so many near misses and starts and stops. And actually what ended up happening is I was not even thinking about writing a nonfiction book. Actually, I had just let go of my agent at the time, my literary agent. And then a publisher came to me directly in my email and said, I love your writing. Are you thinking of doing a book? And I'm like, that is hilarious. Am I (laughs) thinking of doing a book? (laughs) Like, oh, um, only for like, since I'm 16 years old, but yeah, sure. Thanks. And I was just like, huh? And I was, I mean, at the time I had started writing novels because I was like, you know what? I guess because I had been rejected so much, I'd been trying to write a nonfiction book. I mean, pretty seriously since the like 2016. But of course, before that, I've outlines, I've outlines that very much are similar to what ended up being radically content from like as early as 2013. Mm -hmm. Things with like the word contentment, satisfaction, like this was just brewing for a long time. But none of it went anywhere. There were so many starts and stops. There was I'm on my third agent now. 
I mean, it's just like, there's so many things that I, I think this happens to a lot of writers, but it doesn't get talked about enough or maybe it does, but I just seem to not hear it. You know, it's just like, I thought you just write a book and it happens. So then, you know, in 2019, like I said, I had this agent, I had a book proposal. It was rejected by every single publisher. And then I started writing novels because I was like, I guess nobody wants my nonfiction. You know, I was like, nobody wants to hear from me and that's fine. Like I'll just write stories instead. That's still my passion as well. Like, you know, I kind of released it because that was a time too, where I was saying to myself, I'm like, my happiness can't be this narrow. It can't be, it's only this book. It's only this kind of book. It's only this way. Like I need to ban beyond this definition because I was, it was really impacting my quality of life. Like for years it had. And so by the time it came back around, it was not even on my mind to be writing nonfiction. I was like, I'm a novelist. I'm writing novels now. You know, I mean, that's a, a part of my work now as a novelist, not just like that's the only thing, but that was like part of it. And then this came back around in the most like roundabout way. And I was just like, you know, I was going, I really didn't know if I was going to take the deal too. So I was going back and forth and I was talking to my husband. He's like, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, like you got to just do it because you got to get it out of your system. Like you've been wanting this. So just, just, just do it. And I was like, all right, yeah, I guess I'll do it, you know? And then it just was like such an enriching process. I loved writing it. I really had felt a lot of joy while I was writing it. And that, and this was like, I really hadn't accessed a lot of joy with my writing actually. So that's why I've been reflecting a lot in that the past year or so, I've been able to feel so much joy with my writing. But for years before, it has not been joy. It has been a lot of suffering, a lot of like self-inflicted pain of not being consistent, not being um, able to just sit down and write. Like it was really, it was, you know, if I always had this um, comparison to my design work because I was also a graphic designer. And like, I could sit down, like lock down a logo in like 20 or 30 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. But with writing, I just sit there and like stare at the blank page and be like, you're not good enough. You're not there yet. This is not going to be good. And I was just so proud of myself that when writing Radically Content, I was so, I would just sit down and write. I wouldn't worry about, and this was like in a book. Before the writing had no pressure or stakes, but I was all like caught up in it. (laughs) But but this time I was like, you don't get to write this book. You don't get to take this deal if it's going to make you crazy. I said that to myself. And when I was like working on it, I just would sit down and go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the like this every sentence has to be a New York Times bestselling sentence, you know? (laughs) Just just like write, you know, write what's true. Write what is most true and go from there. And that really helped me because now I feel very free of this kind of the burden that was wanting to be a writer because for so many years, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's relatable, but for so many years, wanting to write a book, wanting to be a writer, it felt like this burden that I was like, why won't you just let me go? Like, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to try to figure this out. I'm, I, it's so hard for me to write. It wasn't like enjoyable. Whereas I had this design business that was so enjoyable. Like I just would have all these clients do cool things. I'm like, why do I have to write? Like, can you just, and it wouldn't let me go. It kind of followed me around a calling, I think, you know? And so finally when, when it was time and now I know that I can access joyful writing, it's a lot better. Cause mm-hmm. it used to be, I felt like for a long time, if I 
like writing had to come from like my pain and like it, it was my way of processing. So it just felt like I wasn't able to progress or heal because I was still trying to like write from my pain, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay, so that's interesting. Cause as you were saying of, you know, all these years I was joylessly writing. <laughs> like I was kind of thinking like, well, why were you doing it? if you weren't enjoying it all those years and was it that you you kind of were but it wasn't as joyful as you wanted it to be or like was it just not enjoying it at all but couldn't help you the the moment of writing like when I would finally be able to access the inspiration and sit down and it poured out of me I was like this is it but that was so infrequent Mm. and it was so yes it was not enjoyable for so long which is why between like 2016 to 2018 ish I quit I stopped writing. Like I wouldn't even let myself. It was the weirdest thing because I had just come off of writing for a website and a lot of my um a lot of my articles had gone viral. It was like one of those moments where you're supposed to like capitalize and mm. maximize and all of those things. Everyone was like, This is your moment. This is it, you know? And I was like, Oh God, it is. You know, I was like, I'm miserable. Help. You know, I was like, this is, doesn't feel like my moment, to be honest. And I was it was so weird because I would sit down to work on a book proposal and I had an agent at that time who had contacted me and every time I would sit down and look at that blank page I would start yawning uncontrollably like I would get so tired and I was like am I okay I'd be in the morning you know was that was like my peak time and then I'd go I can't even think like my brain would fog over and then I'd close the computer totally fine totally fine and that happened enough times in a row that I was like I guess I'm just not going to write until this becomes joyful again or and if it and I told myself if it never ever becomes joyful again I will just be done like I will never write again and that's going to be okay because really this is stupid <laughs> but I feel this <laughs> tortured over this writing no it, I got to a point where I was like Jamie it's not that big of a deal like it's you're either going to write books or not you know but I had had it in my head like almost I think I had the story of if it's not hard it's not worth it mm. And that you have to kind of suffer for your success. And, you know, there was a lot of, especially with writing, I don't know. I think like there's a lot of self-loathing with writers. And every time you jump on Twitter, it's like everyone wants to complain about how hard writing is. And it is, I get it. But I was like, that's not going to be my life. Like, I I don't want to just do things that make me constantly suffer. Like, I'd rather just change my mind about what I want than have to, like, suffer to do a thing that I think is, like, a privilege to even be able to do. I'm like, I, I don't have, no one's putting a gun to my head. Like, you better write that book. You know, it's like, I'm doing it to myself. So that's what really, you know, kind of changed everything because I was like I don't get to write again unless this is a joy and it was around that time I read I don't know if you've read Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic mm-hmm. you know her whole, whole philosophy is like make it fun you know like <laughs> yeah. have fun with it you know like like relieve the pressure and at the time I was like this is crap <laughs> like, I was like, what is this? 
you know, and then like, I got it, you know, two years later, I was like, Liz Gilbert, she was right. <laughs> she was really right. I get it. Like, it's really when you get past that, like, I don't, I don't have to suffer for this. I'm doing this because I enjoy it. Now I feel very different about my writing, very different about it in that, like, I'm not going to do it. Like, I will truly just be like, this is my last book if I have to suffer for every single book. Because also, I don't know, most people haven't published books, but let me tell you, it's an exhausting process of trying to, like, get something out into the world like that. It requires quite a lot of energy. So it's like, you better like it for yourself. You gotta, it has to be a labor of love for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because I'm, I'm not sure where to say with this because I was really interested about like you're saying how launching a book is like a really energetic process. And that was a, something that was in my mind before of just like, how has this process of kind of writing the book and then launching the book has have you kind of come up against maybe old habits or old coping mechanisms maybe things that you through the book thought I fixed this in myself and then it's coming back like have you experienced any of that or do you find that you've got the tools now to kind of keep yourself going I think there was some things that came up towards the end of 2021 and into 2022. I mean, at the same time of also, I do have my novel and there was some things that happened with that, that I was, I had a lot of self doubt about. It felt, I think because I haven't been writing novels like my whole life, that sort of got in my head a little bit Mm -hmm. of like, do I know how to do this? Like, I really feel very comfortable with my nonfiction because I've been doing that for so long, but I definitely had some like questioning and self doubt. And then um, the big thing with the book is really before it came out was really having to continuously unlearn how the world perceives it as successful. Um, That's been the big thing of, you know, people want to see the number one bestseller. They want to know how many, you know, people are asking how many copies have you sold? How many copies? I'm like, why do you care? You know, like, honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but just kind of like, why do you care? You know, I have my own metrics for what you like, I can't measure how it feels to finally have a book out in the world, but the world wants to measure things. So that's been the big thing that's been on my mind a lot. And I feel like if I wasn't vigilant with how I was thinking, it would be very easy for me to just go right back into how is everyone perceiving it? And how is how is it being measured? Because especially with books, I mean, there's a lot of ways to measure it. I mean, anything that you do kind of public like that, there's, there's so many lists, there's so many rankings. I mean, you could go on Amazon and look at any book's rankings at any time. I don't know if people know this, but you can, you can see where it measures, literally where it measures up by the hour, which is a little unsettling. And so I've had to really be very like intentional with myself. Cause here's the thing that I feel is even if, I, like, I don't want any metrics to even tell me whether it's successful or not, like in a positive or negative way, because it, it was for me, it's for me to do for myself. This was something like I was feel like I'm fulfilling the dream of my 16 year old self or my, you know, 21 year old self who was like, we're going to write a memoir one day. And like, I don't know, <laughs> I'm 21. I have like no life experience, yeah. but I'm like, let's write a memoir. <laughs> you know, it's like about what, <laughs> you know, um, it's like, 
Okay, Jamie. Uh, so, you know, I feel like I'm fulfilling these dreams for my younger self. And I just feel like also, you know, I have my own metrics that I'm using that are not really metrics, but like, you know, for example, the fact that this whole year, like writing the book and then promoting the book, I have been mostly 90% of the time, extremely calm, extremely optimistic, extremely like I've been taking care of myself. I've been, you know, I haven't been waking up 3am with anxiety every night or stressed to the point where like, by the time the book comes out, I can't even enjoy it because I'm so stressed and so worried about what's going to happen. Who's going to read it, monitoring everything. There's a version of me in the past that would have been like that. I'm very aware of that. And so I feel like it's already successful to me that I've held myself through this process, that I loved writing it, truly loved it every single day. I'm like, I miss, I miss writing Radically Content. That's how beautiful it was to me. Like, I remember the feeling of it, of just being so creative and inspired. And the fact that, you know, I put the book out and of course there was a bit of a crash. I was pretty tired. You know, I was, it felt very much like I just ran a marathon for 20 (laughs) years. You know, I was like, there was definitely a gotta be in bed for a bit and like (laughs) just watch Netflix, you know, and that's totally fine. I expected it. Um, Also, because I had done like a lot of promo before it, but mostly feel very content and very like I I feel very um very focused and in my truth and not you know there's just so many times where this would have happened that I would have lost myself in this process and so for that I'm like those are things that are immeasurable but that's how I look at it like I look at it like that because I do want to write books I want to continue to write books but if every time I write a book and put a book out into the world I'm steeped in insecurity and self-doubt and I'm constantly like it's not sustainable. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm going to burn out so quickly. And then this thing that I love will become a thing that I resent. Mm -hmm. So for me, knowing that my first book, I was able to usher it into the world um, with calm and peace and feel very grounded with it. I'm like, Oh, I don't even care how it does Mm -hmm. in the world. I'm like, you know, I don't care about these other metrics because that to me is like, that is such a huge accomplishment to me that I was able to get to that place. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in how you, first of all, kind of create that mindset of like, and and how you kind of remind yourself every day to not go and check the Amazon rankings. And also how you do that when like that kind of thing sort sort of easier when it's just your course you're putting out, but you've also got like a publisher, which is a business who like, they do care about the metrics, I assume. And so well, like how that is balanced where you're like trying to keep to your lane, but you're also, there is somebody else in the lane with you that has different priorities. Yeah. So let me be clear. I do check the Amazon. (laughs) I just don't give them a a value, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just information. So that's the same with like my follower count. I never want to be, I used to be very, can't check any of these things too fragile. It'll be triggering. Now I'm very like, I can check it because I don't have to make a meaning out of it. And I'm also able to, like you're saying, be very business minded. Like, of course, I want the book to sell well. I want there to be, I want royalties. I want Mm -hmm. things to start showing up, you know? But I I think what, what has happened is I've divorced my personal value and worth from that. And that has taken the time. That's the big thing. Because when I look at the Amazon rankings, I don't go oh, I'm, I'm worthy now. I look at it and go, 
oh, that's just where I'm at because this is my business. You know, like mm-hmm. this ability to really put myself as business and then who I am as a person and a human being, these are different. You know, and I think even though they kind of the business is personal and I'm part of my business, that separation is very necessary for me because what we what ends up happening is all these worries about failure, all these worries about how things do or don't do, like how we measure them. What we're doing is we're not so much measuring them in terms of like what money we're going to make or what influence we're going to have. We measure them on like how good of a person we are, Mm. you know, and how worthy and valuable we are as humans. I just don't have that part. I just don't have that going with me anymore. You know, that doesn't follow me around because I've done so much work on making my worth completely unconditional. Like my, I'm worthy because I am, I'm worthy. Even if I never do another thing ever again, you know, like I, I just have that unconditionally as it is. Like my value is in how much I show up for myself, how much I, I, I'm there for myself. Like I, I find that I have, I'm valuable because I can sit with myself in my emotions. Like if, if something happens and I'm disappointed, okay, I can sit with myself. It's not distract and escape and avoid. So because of that, because my worth and value are not on the line, that's not part of the equation. I can then just look at metrics as what they are like, okay, how is it selling? Also, I've found that the less that I put my worth and value on the line, the better things do. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. I mean, it just kind of happens that way because I don't have I've noticed that a lot of people and I get it. I'm not saying this from any point of judgment, but I've noticed that a lot of people, the way that they they market their books is very there's a sort of desperation behind it of like how this does tells me whether I am worthy and valuable in life, you know? And you're like, oh my God, that's a lot of pressure on pre-order. You know, like that's a lot. That's a lot. A lot of pressure as a reader or a buyer as well that like, yeah. yeah. They can feel it even Mm -hmm. if they're not completely, I mean, I'm conscious of it, but most people aren't. And I've had a lot of people tell me like the way that you have promoted this book is the most, like it's inspiring just to watch it because I'm not going to apologize for it. I, I really feel very, that all, all a book needs, and especially this book, is like, it just needs to gain awareness. I just need more people to know about it. And I also feel like very, just kind of in a calling about this. Like I met, I, I this book came to me. I wasn't looking for it. You know, I didn't say to myself, if you don't publish a nonfiction book, like I would gotten to the place where I was no longer saying to myself, if you don't publish a nonfiction book, you haven't fulfilled your purpose in life. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was like, that'd be cool to do. Let me do it. You know, like that, that seems fun. Sure. You know, I've always wanted to do this. So I think that that's really helpful because I think people can sense in any aspect of business, especially when you're marketing, people can sense when it's about you and not about them. Like I, I don't feel anymore that this book even belongs to me anymore. I'm like, now it just belongs to everyone else. And I felt that with my design work too. I mean, I really did. I felt like this isn't about me, you know, cause people would get, I mean, with design work, of course, you know, you have to do revisions. And it used to be that some people would get really weird about revisions, like telling me what to revise. Like they didn't want to hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is not about me. 
This is your business. Like you're paying for this. Tell me what you don't like. Like there, I can't even tell you how many phone calls I've had to have with past clients where I'm like, you can give me a revision, you know, like just tell me, like I'm not caught up in it. And I think that that was really helpful in knowing for so long, I was like, why can't I just approach my writing the way that I approach design as like, it's a skill, it's a talent. I'm going to, you know, it's a business. Like I, now I feel like I've accessed that, but it took a long time because I felt that my worth and value as a human was very much wrapped up in how my writing was doing, how much I was writing. There was a lot of like, it was enmeshed. Whereas my design stuff, like I used to tell people, I'm like, tell me your revisions. Tell me what you don't like. I truly don't care. Like I care for you, but it's not my Mm. brand. It's not my thing. I want you to like it. And they'd be like, I'm so sorry, but like, can you change this color? I'm like, Yes, <laughs> I will. You know, like, yeah. I That's all it is. It's like, just let me do, you know, let me do it. If I don't know, you don't like it. And so it's been um, because I knew that my design work wasn't like caught up in. I wasn't like, if someone likes this logo, that means I'm a good designer. It's like, no, it's just, I've been, I've been given a task. Like that's the same thing I feel with the book too. It's like this publisher is hired. Like they, they fronted me the money to do a task and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I'm going to bring it forth into the world to the best of my ability. And then let's see, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, and I'm going to share it with people because I'm proud of it. And because I think that it's valuable, but I'm also not going to share it and go, well, let's see how many people buy it and share it because then that'll tell me if I'm worthy. That is the, that's a really slippery slope. And we do it a lot. Like I think a lot of people will go, oh, I noticed that I do this without really noticing that they do it because that's how I was for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I'm interested what your thoughts are generally and or personally about setting like goal setting in that case, because the way you're talking about it is like, it comes like the book came to me and I created it and I went out into the world. And then also there's like, and there's the business side. And so I think it, it can be so easy to set goals. And then if you achieve the goal, then you're good. But if you don't achieve the goal, then you're bad and you ha- you're not allowed to have things. Like how does that fit into the way you were kind of approaching this and approaching work in general? I have have no problem with goals, but I'm not really, I found that if I get too specific on the goal, me personally, I know some people that the more specific they are, the better it works for them. Me, I'm much more interested in the process and much more interested in how I feel. So I don't want to do something that is in line with my goal that doesn't feel good. So I'm really flexible in that if that like if I'm like making sense with that because it's still sort of like percolating in my head but it's more about it's less about like this metric will tell me that it's successful. I also will say something that came up with the publisher. I mean not to call out publishers, but a lot of us as 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 authors, we take on a lot of the but it's like they're supposed to sell books too. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. it's part of their job too to figure out ways to get it into readers' hands. So we can't take like I feel I'm like I'm I'm partially responsible for this, but also it's on them and a lot of times I think either the publisher or the author or both start to think like, well, I failed if it didn't sell to our like 
goals. And it's like, well, it's not all on you. The publisher has to do something too. I mean, they're the ones that invested in you. They're the ones that put the time in. So, you know, it's kind of like, we have to know where to place some of the responsibility too. Cause I think, especially as women, we love to take on all of the mm-hmm. responsibility. Like, Oh, it was all on me, you know, me alone and no publisher at all. But it's like, like that's part of their job, but also my publisher. And I think this was really good for me for my first book. They don't, they have not told me, we expect you to sell this. We expect you to do this. It's been a lot more. I think I needed that and wanted that. And, um, you know, so I think that was really good, but I I also just think, I mean, goals are great. I'm now at the place where I'm not, I don't really love the, the specifics about goals, you know, like, okay, it has to do this in this first week, it has to do this. And then it does this. And then this, because I don't know, like I, because those goals, what I've found is that a lot of those goals are based on me comparing to someone else. Like, oh, because this person that I know on Instagram did this. Now I want that. And it's like, I don't know how she felt when that happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know what her life is. You know, I'm just assuming that, well, that must be better if you do this. And it's like, how do I know? So I really just want the things that are really, you know, effortlessly coming to me. I, I think it takes, it has taken me a long time to get to this place, but I find that I'm not really like motivated as much by the specific goals. I'm more motivated by like, how do I feel when it's happening? You know, like if, say my book did something, you know, off the charts, but I wasn't present for it. And I was too stressed to enjoy it or too like overwhelmed or too doubtful or anything that or if I was going, okay, well, it it got to number 20. But what about number 19? Why didn't Mm. it get there? What's wrong with me? Well, this other book's doing better. To me, that's not success. It's like, that's just the goal. But how I feel when I achieve the goal is just as important as the goal. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's also that it's like something that I've written about before is the difference between like having goals and being goals. And like a having goal is like when you achieve something, but you're waiting in this sort of purgatory until you achieve it. Whereas like I am more of a being goal person, wherein it's like I want to be in the experience of writing every day or in the experience of moving my body every day. And that is just a it means I'm having a nicer life because I'm doing stuff that I want to be doing and also there's not this kind of like flagellation of trying to get to a point that let's face it is always moving forward and forward into the future right I mean if you have goals that are like like I have goals that are sort of that would be cool if that happened you know like oh that sounds fun like that might you know there's been some things that people have said like oh what if this happens what if this person asks to interview you or something I'm like that'll be cool you know like great um but it's not a I'm not going to be happy until that happens or I'm waiting until that happens. I'm like, I'm done waiting. I spent, because what you're saying is so resonating because what essentially it's, it's saying, I'm not going to wait to enjoy my life. Right. Cause that was 20 years of my life, pretty much just waiting and waiting. Okay. Do I, I get to like myself yet? Am I confident? Like, did I earn my joy yet? Am I happy yet? What's going on? Do I have the right body to be happy? Do I have the right career? Do I have up? Oh, 
I still didn't publish a book. So I guess I don't get to be happy. I guess I don't get to be happy. And it's just like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm like, I refuse. And anything that's going to, any goal that's going to cause me to say, you don't get to be happy unless you achieve this. I'm like, it's not for me. Like, it's <laughs> not for me. You know, like, I'd rather just, I'm all good. Thanks. You know, and some people might look at that and be like, oh, that's complacent. That's lazy. I'm like, mm, okay, uh, <laughs> I'll be over here complacent and lazy and happy. So I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not, my life is not a constant, you know, like achievement loop. Um, so I, and it's just, I'm not going to do that to myself. That feels like punishing and harmful to say like, Hey, you don't get to be happy unless you do this thing that you probably have the idea to do it because someone else did it and you think they must be happier than you. So you got to do that too. And it's like, no, thanks. I'm good. You know, it's not like a, oh, that'll never happen kind of feeling or, oh, I'm scared of getting, it's just like, "Eh, I'm I'm all set, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, now I look at things as I'm like, that's going to be cool to do. You know, like I'm excited, like I'm working with a producer to adapt it for a TV show or a movie and the feeling you know, she's been telling me, she's like, you know, it'll take some time. We'll see. And I'm like, I can promise you it'll, it can take as much time as it takes because <laughs> I am not invested. Like I'm invested to an extent, but I'm not like, I, I don't want to do it to myself where I say like, unless this gets made, I'm never going to feel like happy or this will make me so happy when this happens. So let me just like, you know, and neglect everything until I get there. I'm just like, if it happens, cool. If it doesn't, cool. And I realize for some people that that's, you know, they might be like, well, how's it going to get done if you don't have that? People think like that intensity, mm. like, you know, that intensity of like my whole life's happiness and purpose is on the line. So I'm going to do it. And I'm like, I've never done anything good with that kind of intent intensity. Everything that has truly made me truly it, it, like increased my quality of life and happiness has been done from true peace and calm about it. Like where I feel like it's just the icing on the cake if I get to do something like that. And if I don't, okay, wasn't meant to be, you know? So I don't, I'm not a person that thrives under that kind of pressure and intensity. I just feel like I I get, I get like frozen with it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have to pull yourself into that place? So like using the TV show as an example, like is there a part of you that maybe even initially is like, oh, let's go and do do the thing. But then you pull yourself back into the sort of, peaceful place or do you find that that's actually the place that you occupy naturally and has that always been the case or how did you get there definitely has not always been the case I think I I know the answer to that one but yeah Yeah, I mean let's say it has been the opposite of the case I I think that I am a little bit more defaulting to that it takes it might take a little with the with the TV show or the movie I'm like that was easy because it's it's so uncertain that mm-hmm. industry so it's like to even try to say this has to happen or I won't be happy is a true it's like true definition of actual insanity because like <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen like mm-hmm. even my lawyer was like even if Netflix themselves came to you and said I want to do the likelihood that it that it gets made is pretty low and it might get made but it might not, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just like that alone 
is just being practical. But with some of the other things that I feel like are, you know, like with the book coming out that came out, of course, I had to pull myself back into a more peaceful place. And for me, that's like a true mark of healing, the healing, because I think we we expect that like healing or, you know, when we change and evolve and grow or something happens and we feel more at peace that like we'll never, ever have doubt or pain or, you know, go back back to old thinking patterns ever again. But to me, I now recognize that like, it's not really about the first thought. It's about the thought after that. Mm. Like when I get that thought that comes in, that's like, Oh, are you gonna, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna hit number one? Are you gonna do this? You know, and it starts getting really intense. And I start getting stressed because I'm like, Oh, no, I'm doing it again. I just say to myself, I'm like, let's redirect, like, let's, you know, you can't change all your thoughts, but you can redirect them. And I'm like, let's redirect to how we actually want to feel about this and think about this. Like, where's, where's the center of this? And I think for me, just recognizing as a process that those things are so fleeting, like, because it's been so, so much waiting and waiting and waiting for my life to begin for to feel good to feel this to feel proud of myself. I just I'm no longer I can't wait anymore, which is going back to what we were saying. So how did I get there? It's more about telling myself you're doing the waiting again. And we can't do that anymore. Because we don't have time to waste on saying one day in the future, I'll get to be happy. It's like, no, I can't do it anymore. So I think that's, that's helpful to me in redirecting. And I go, you know, okay, so what's here for me? Um, you know, cause that's like, we talk about presence a lot. And I think maybe sometimes it gets misunderstood as like your presence. So just like watch a flower, you know, <laughs> it's like, no, being present is like, being really mindful about your day, like be in, I, I say to myself sometimes when I'm like tripping out and doing some of the things that my mind likes to do, which is, you know, essentially the brains want certainty, right? So that's mm-hmm. what it's trying to do. It's like certainty, 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 certainty. And yet the challenge of our lives is that nothing is certain. So we have a brain that's like certainty, certainty, certainty. And then we have a life that's actually so uncertain. So it's like, God, how do we balance that nonsense? So my brain wants the certainty. So I have to bring myself back to like be in the day that I'm in. I have, I'm in this day. I'm not in the future yet. So I have to find something valuable and beautiful and joyful about this day. I'll go on my walk. I'll do my things. I'll be present. You know, I'll be in, if I have a podcast conversation, it's like, I'm in this day, you know, like I'm in this conversation, not tripping out somewhere Mm -hmm. else because this is what I get to have. And I also think I've had the benefit in many ways of achieving a lot of things that I thought was going to make me happy and they didn't. So now I know I'm like, oh, okay. I've, I've seen behind the curtain yeah, and it doesn't, you know, and I think a lot of us have that and we just maybe don't recognize because what, what ends up happening, which is what I used to do is like, okay, so I guess this wasn't enough. So let me move the Oh, I need a bigger goal. Mm. I need a bigger goal and that'll be it. And I'm like, oh dear, that wasn't (laughs) it either. Yeah, it's always like you like I'm wrong. <laughs> like, yes, it's never right. like this wasn't what I wanted or like it's like no, I've done this wrong and that's why I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah, I've done something wrong. I've taken the wrong. I didn't do it enough. I'm not enough. I'm not this. And that's like our that's the core filter that we put everything through. I'm still not good enough. That's why I don't feel as fulfilled as by this as I think I'm supposed to. Mm. And I look back. I used to have a really like my Achilles heel was comparison. You know, I was 
even from a very young age, the comparison, like in junior high school and, and then in high school, like I was very, it was like my thing that would always make me suffer. And I look back, especially at times where I was watching other women have their like book release moment, you know, and I look back and I'm like, what did I think they were experiencing that I wanted so much? Like, I can't even like, that's what I say to myself now. If I end up like having that an automatic thought of like comparing. I'm just like, what do I think they're having and experiencing Mm. that it's not available to me, that I feel like I have to have that in order to experience it. And I truly cannot, I can't find a thing, you know, because a lot of these things, what I've recognized like this, the comparison to be better, to get more, to have what they're having, this like feeling of being good enough, and all of this, it's like, it's impossible to define. So it keeps us so like, it's like a puzzle. We're always trying to figure it out. And I'm just like, I don't know what I think these people are having, what I'm assuming that they get to experience. Like, do they have some like heightened experience of being human that I've never been able to access before because something is happening that I have, they're probably feeling the same way as me. Mm going, hmm, you know, there's, there's always someone else to compare to, you know, it's like, there's always something even like, you look at a Glennon Doyle, she's got untamed, but then look at like atomic habits. That's been number one on the New York Times bestseller list for years, or, you know, she's number five, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, you know, you could just go crazy with it. Yeah, yeah. And I always think with that, something is like, when did I opt into this? Like, when did I opt in to thinking like this? Why, like, and it, that sometimes I'm just like, why am I, cho- I'm choosing to think like this. And like, what, like, when did I choose? I didn't, I just like have kind of fallen into this thing and I actually don't want to be here. Oh my God. I mean, that's uh, the funny that you use the word opt in because in my book, I use the word opt out all the time, <laughs> you know, because it's like, we didn't consent Mm -hmm. of of opting into this like there was no box to check of like (laughs) I will put all my worth and value and you know what I am a robot I have just (laughs) gone into this as a robot and not a human (laughs) like Like, you know it's like it's like they told us how to think and we were like yep you're right I'll take it on you don't I got it from here I'll just you know be self-loathing on my own and then what I talk about in Radically Content is a very gentle sort of like, we can opt out of this. Like just the fact that we were able to opt into this means there's an opt out, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's like a value system. Also, it's a value system that not all cultures have. So it's pretty clear that it's like, we were just taught to think like this, which means we can just teach ourselves to think a different way and not, which I think, you know, it's a maddening answer to people who are like, how did you do it? And I'm like, I unlearned, Mm -hmm. like I unlearned, I opted out. I I stopped listening to what the world told me to value about myself or not the world, but like my society, my culture, what's in the air that I breathe. Like, you know, I don't watch commercials. <laughs> like I don't watch TV. I don't, there's certain things that I, like I don't read magazines. There's certain things that I do because I'm just like, I don't want them to tell me how to think. I want to think for myself. So it's been, you know, that's sort of important to me and not sort of, but very important to me because I felt the same way. I was like, when did I say yes to this? Like, 
when did I say yes? Like even I talk about with self-love, like the thing that we don't talk about is like, why do we have to learn self-love? Like, because we were taught Mm self-hatred and like self-abandonment and self-loathing. Like, shouldn't we have been taught in a true, true, truly like healthy society? We would have been brought up to be taught to love ourselves, right? Like to value ourselves and have worth within ourselves. But instead they put us all on a competition and it's like, we're in the hunger games, but we, you know, without the funny hair and it's just like, you know, without the districts, (laughs) it's like, you know, I didn't opt into this, but I can opt out. Mm. Yeah, and it's like you said about that, like maybe this isn't a like cute little answer, but also, you know, you don't get those sort of answers on a like five second takeaway on a podcast, right? Like good like anything that's worth having, you can't just get like that. And like my thing is always just like consider the possibility. Like that's the first step. Just consider the possibility that everything might be different than how you think it is. <laughs> Or even just like one little thing might be different to how you think it is. And when you consider the possibility, the possibility becomes possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I have the same thing. It's like, I start to say, like, get very curious, just start getting curious about why you think the way that you think, because what we do is we, we judge ourselves because the same thing, it's like, I opted, like I didn't opt in, but now I'm, I'm fully opted in. You know, my mind is is for the society. I've conformed and I just filter everything through like, oh, it must be me. It's my fault. You know, that was something very important with Radically Content with writing was it's the self-help book, essentially. I mean, it's a memoir self-help book, but it's not a typical self-help book because I've also pulled in a lot of societal criticism and a lot of cultural criticism, which as people have read it, they've told me they're like, this is really different than what I've, I'm, I was expecting because I didn't want to write this book of like, it's all on you. You mm-hmm. just, you're oh, like, you know, oh, you need to stop doing this and you need to stop doing this. And you're feeling guilty for this. Like we've been taught this, like, it's not all on you. You know, like it's not, there's a reason you think this way. It's not like one day all women just woke up like, you know what? Just completely di- complete, different sides of the world everywhere just said to themselves, I don't really like my body. No. Mm. It's like we were taught to not like our body, you know, like we were taught to think of ourselves this way. So I think it's very important to really talk about that. We're not just it's not like constantly on us. We're not bad. We're not wrong because we suffer alone so much because it's like we think, well, this must be like my fatal flaw that I never feel good enough. That's how I felt for so long. Like all my 20s, I was like, I guess this is just me, you know, or like. Oh, maybe because of this thing that happened in my childhood or growing up, like not being, you know, growing up and I was bullied or like, I wasn't that cool in high school and all this stuff. It's like, oh, this must be me. And then I started sharing on the internet that like, like it was very tentative. I'm like, some days I don't feel good enough. You know, (laughs) sometimes I doubt myself, LOL, you know, and then everyone was like, me too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, I was just like, I didn't, I didn't realize. And then I started to share more and more, like the more vulnerable that I got, which, and now we see, I mean, I think we're seeing now with the internet, 
that were, there's a lot of things that we thought that was just me. And now we're seeing it's not just me, but it's very important to continuously, like it's, it's important for me even like in my continuous healing to say like, this isn't on me always. Like it's on me to unlearn it now, unfortunately, but it's not on me that I, I did something bad or like Mm -hmm. I deserved this. It's just the way it's coming from a culture and society that clearly does not value our mental health and our like emotional wellness at all above like profit. Yep. (laughs) Again, tick. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask like two quick fire-ish, let me know when I ask like a hundred questions, but like two kind of quick, kind of quick fire questions, but they don't have to be quick. So the first one is like, tell me about your day today like how you go about your work, like what your work life work day looks like and how you feel like your work fits into your life and if you feel like it does. My work it is so much of my life. I mean, it's it's kind of different right now, but typically, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very intentional with my day. I know I have, I use a lot of time blocking, like especially when I have a lot of stuff to do. Um, essentially in my Google calendar, just like, this is the hour for this, you know, like this is the hour that I need to be focused on this. Like if I have things like projects or things like that, I just block it in. Um, and then, you know, right now it's a little atypical because I have like, in 2020 and 2021, like I didn't even need a planner. And now I live and die by the Google cow. I'm like, <laughs> I'm that person now. Like I just look at my day. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but you know, right now it's a little atypical in that sense, mm-hmm. but I always have certain like time blocks that I do things. And I have some like non-negotiables in terms of like, I tell myself to like, cause I don't like the real inflexible, rigid schedules. So I tell myself, you know, for example, like I go on daily walks, but it's like, I can't miss two days in a row. That's my only rule. So it doesn't matter when it is or what it is. But once I miss two days, I'm like, mm, go into mm-hmm. the, my, my mental health's not good for that. So, you know, in certain things like that, like I, and I have like my mornings that I have a little routine I don't do journaling, but I write affirmations in my journal, you know, things like I'm lucky to be me and lucky this is my life and just kind of affirming in the morning how I want to feel what I'm focusing on. It helps me to get really centered. I've noticed like, unfortunately, the brain just like does certain things that it does and it'll default to like not great things. So I have to like tell myself what to think all the time and how to interpret and see my life. So there's like for me, I'm not big on really extensive routines. I like to be more intentional versus more rigid. Some people, maybe they feel a lot safer in rigidity. I I don't, I feel like I need more space and time in my days. So, you know, really the big thing is making sure that I'm really present, making sure that I'm mindful and making sure that the big thing for me is like scheduling something in if I have to do it, like if it's a task, if it's something that has a deadline, it has to be scheduled into my schedule. And I have to also something that's very important for me. And I actually teach this in my digital course. It's called live with intention. And I teach about like going with your natural like inclinations, especially if you work for yourself. Like for me, the morning, the first three hours of the morning are like, that's writing time. If I'm in a writing project, like I don't, I don't write every day. 
unless I'm in the mm-hmm. middle of a writing project, it's just like not necessary for me to write every day. And so I know that like morning is very important for me. Afternoon, I start to slump. So that's like my walk time. And then in the, I have, I like, I, I usually am done by like five, but sometimes by two. And I just let myself have whatever schedule that week needs. And I mean, if you had asked me this back in 2019, it would have been a totally different answer because things change. But for now, that's like, I just, I, I have some like pretty non-negotiable intentions, like exercise, eating a certain way, um, and like making sure that things are scheduled in and blocked out. And then everything else is kind of more Tetris style mm-hmm. in my schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like that with, I'm like, I really need a routine. And then I have a routine for two days. I'm like, I hate routine. <laughs> Fair. Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask you is, you may well have this completely down pat, of just to tell us about Radically Content and like the story of it and kind of where it was sparked not the idea like the concept of radically content how that was sparked and yeah just tell us about the book yeah so you know based on this obviously i have been not content for a lot of my life so essentially what i got to was there has to be a better way than for me to just constantly feel doubtful of myself and not good enough and all of this and or like there has to be a better way than like I'm either not ambitious or I'm so ambitious that I'm waiting for my life to begin for every achievement so the idea for radically content came in as like this is what I had learned for five plus years of recognizing that like there's a way to be present and content in the everyday to have my worth and value as I am and to also have a desire to achieve and be ambitious and have these things for myself that I want to do while I'm on this earth. You know, there's a middle ground between hustle and work and never stop and you'll sleep when you're dead versus like live off the grid and never do another thing again. You know, it's like there's got to be a middle. And so the the basis of radically content came from that. And like I had tried for so long, my intention was to feel satisfied and content in my life. By the time I wrote the book, it was like, oh, I get it. Like mm-hmm. I get it because radically content is not like stay in one place, just be content. Like it almost as like a shame thing. Like, well, just be grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. Just be content. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's about like having this foundation. To me, it's a foundation where it's like, you're worthy, you're valuable. You have everything that you need. You're doing better than you're, you think you are. You don't have to measure your life by these external um, measurements and metrics. But also if you'd like to write a book, or, you know, make some songs or start a business or do this or do that, you can, you know, go ahead and like do it your way, do it from your contentment and from like, I just want this next experience for me. And I want to like, see how far I can go for myself. So it's a really beautiful balance. And the reason that I called it radically content is because I feel like it's flipping contentment, what we think of contentment on its head a bit, because people have asked me so many times, wasn't contentment just complacency? Mm. And I'm like, it's so not (laughs) like, you will do more from joy, Mm -hmm. from self love, from self acceptance. Like when you accept and love where you are, people don't believe it. 
but you'll do more. You'll have more time and energy to do the things that really excite you and really feel fun. And you'll be able to meet challenges even better because you're not just like layering it with, well, I'm not good enough and I'm not good enough. This is proving I'm not good enough. Like I don't even think of like failure as failure. What's a failure? If I learned something, if I was able to truly try something, like I'd rather try and it not work out than not try. And I think when we get so caught up in what the world tells us is like, what's good enough? What's successful? Is it going to be successful? Like we miss out on just like the beauty of the journey and just trying things and getting things out of our head and into like something tangible. So, I mean, I could talk about radically content forever because obviously I wrote a whole book about it, but (laughs) that's it in a very big nutshell. (laughs) Awesome. So, I mean, I want to ask a million other things, but let's let's draw it to a close. So, where can people come and say hi to you, or how how? I mean, I feel like people say that on podcasts, but I also don't really want people to come say hi to me that often. So, like, how do you like people to come like interact with you? Where can people find you and find more of your work? I'm love Instagram. So you can jump into my messages at any time. And that's a joy for me. Don't contact me on Facebook. There's no way to even contact me on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page and I might see your comment, but not always. Twitter. Sure. I'm not really on Twitter that much, but I'm there. My book is at radicallycontent.com. My website is jamievarin.com. Maybe don't email me. I'll probably not email, but you back in a long time. (laughs) Unfortunately, I wish I was better but I I answer urgent and like very pressing emails only. And then the rest (laughs) just keep getting marked as unread. Marked as unread. (laughs) Till the end of time. (laughs) Till the end of time. Until I finally go, I won't respond to this. (laughs) It's been three years. Right. Like three years later, I'm like, thank you. (laughs) And they're like, "Um, you're welcome. (laughs) So Instagram is it. Is, is essentially the, the short answer. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. I've had a really nice time. Me too. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. Any links we mentioned will be on the show notes at simpleinseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Jamie on Instagram. I'm at Simple and Season and she's at Jamie Varen. If you have a friend who you think would really enjoy listening to this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode and share where you're listening online too. And until next time, I hope you go with soul.